If you have your Bibles, open them with me and turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, we're going to start up at verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. You know, the first thing that I see when I read that, Jesus prayed. Jesus is the Son of God, but Jesus prayed. And that tells you a lot about the importance and value of prayer that our Lord and Savior, the the perfect man without sin, he prayed. He felt it necessary to pray. He had it as a part of his life. And I love that because the Bible tells us to be like Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus did is pray. So if prayer isn't part of your life on a regular, normal, daily basis, then we can already take a lesson from Jesus and say, well, I got to be praying all the time. Because if Jesus had to pray, how much even more so should we be praying? So I love that that's the first thing that we see when we read this passage. Verse 2. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, I know that in the book of Matthew, uh, you find a larger version of this prayer. But I really like that the way Luke chapter 11 talks about it. So that's why I decided to go with that today. But it's obviously a a similar prayer just with a few more things added. Verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in, are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. You know, I have to be honest with you. I feel like that would be my response because if someone comes to my door at midnight asking me for something, guess what? I'm coming along with the baseball bat. I got the baseball bat ready to go. If someone's ringing my doorbell at midnight, I tell you what. So I, I, I'm a little bit rebuked. Um, when I read this verse because (laughs) I feel like I would not have a good response if you came to me knocking on my door at midnight. Um, (laughs) Verse 8, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So Jesus is basically saying, the guy doesn't want to help his friend, but he has the nerve to come there at, at midnight asking for something. I'm with you, Pina. I, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I always look to see who's at the door before I would answer it. I'll tell you that. I am not a person. Um, <laughs> maybe. I, I don't even think. I'm not sure Dave would want to get up either. I'm not the. I'm just. Can I tell you what? If you are a person who likes to pop in unannounced, I'm probably not the friend that you were going to want to pop in unannounced. I'm not a fan of the pop in. So there's just, I'll just let you know, nobody knows where I live, frankly. I very, very few people know where I live. (laughs) Not that they would want to come all the way to where I live anyway. So that's another advantage that I have. Um, Steph, I'll tell you, if I had a dog, I'd probably send the dog to the door. I'll tell you that. Verse nine. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. So this is speaking of God. That when we pray, when we call on him, when we ask him, he's not going to be like the friend that doesn't feel like getting out of bed. The Bible says that if you ask, you shall receive. So that's important to know about the Lord. That, you know, the Bible even says that the Lord is not deaf to our prayers. That his ear is not closed to our prayers. That's something important to keep in mind. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
And it's such a beautiful picture of understanding, comparing the, the, the love of God the Father to earthly parents. That when your kid asks for something and you know you love your children, and so you want to give to them. How much more does our Father in Heaven want to give to us? And a lot of times we don't have because we don't ask. The Bible says you ask, you have not because you ask not. Because maybe you think that oh, this, this is not an important prayer. Why would God care about this? You know, this is just an insignificant thing. You know, there are people that have such big needs. I, I'm not going to bother the Lord with my need. Don't have that attitude because our God is a father, a good father who loves his children. So don't come in with the attitude of thinking, well, it, it, you know, my, what I want is not important. No, it is important because God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to give things to you. You know, the first thing that we see when Jesus directs his disciples how to pray, what's the first thing that he says? He says, Father, why does he say that? Because it signifies, number one, if you're taking notes, that we have a relationship with God. You know, I'm teaching um, Intro to World Religions at GNU. And I'll tell you something about all of these other religions and, and even cults that even claim to be a, a form of Christianity. One of the biggest differences that you see is that they view God or their version of God, however that might be, um, they view him as impersonal. They don't view him as someone that you can have a relationship with. And so don't you love the fact that the very first thing Jesus said in teaching his disciples how to pray, when you pray, say, Father. You know, we don't say, dear Jesus, though I, I know that, that that's going to upset a lot of people that maybe have prayed that way in the past. You don't pray, dear Jesus, you pray, Father. You're speaking to God, your Father. And how great is that, that we have access to the Father? We didn't before, but through faith in Jesus, we now have access. That bridge has been gapped. Jesus stood in the gap for us that we can now go to the Father. So that's number one. We have relationship with God. Number two, he says, hallowed be your name. What is that? That is a way of giving praise and adoration to God. You know, the Bible says that we enter his courts with what? Praise. So one of the first things that we do when we pray is we give praise and adoration to God. So before anything else, before we ask for something, before we start talking, because you know how it is when we pray, we're, we're on and on, and I, I go on and on, but the first thing that we do after we address our Father is we give Him the praise and the adoration that is due His name. That's number two. Number three, He says, your kingdom come. What is that? A prayer for the kingdom first. And what does the Bible say in, in Matthew chapter 6? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? That what happens, we give God praise and then we talk about the kingdom first, this anticipation of the kingdom, this putting the kingdom first, understanding the kingdom of God. You know, in the, in, in the longer version of this prayer, it says, hallowed be the, your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that is a prayer about the kingdom, putting the kingdom of God first. That's beautiful to me. It's amazing to me. Then after that, so you're putting the kingdom first. Then after that, it says, give us, give us. This is not a demand. This is not us going to God as if we, as if he owes us something. As if it's like, well, um, you know, God, God wants to give me something. So I'm just going to go and I'm just going to ask for a bunch of stuff. No, this is actually a humble request. And it's a beautiful request. Give us each day. So number four, these are 10 points about this prayer. I'm kind of, if you're taking notes, I know I'm not making it easy for you, which I never do. If you're one of my students, you know that. I always get the question, what was that point? <laughs> which number is this? Um, but this is point number four, which is give us, which is a prayer of supplication. It's not a demand, it's a humble request. Number five, give us each day. Each day, what does that mean? It's a precise, certain, and specific request. 
So many times we pray like, Lord, help me. Um, Lord, you know, whatever it be thy will. That's not specific. God wants a specific, certain, and precise request. So it says, give us each day, each day, seeing our needs being met. God wants to meet those needs. He's not interested in you having a tough time. It's not, it's, a lot of Christians glorize the struggle all the time. But God wants to give us what we need because he loves us. Number, so number six, give us what? Our daily bread, necessities, necessities. There are things that we need in order to live and God will give us that and will help us in that. And it's okay to ask for that. Oh, you know, um, I don't want to be asking for anything. No, we, we shouldn't be asking. Jesus is telling us, give us each day our daily bread. What is necessary for us? What is necessary for us to live? You can ask that and don't be afraid to ask that or don't feel like, oh, I don't want to make it all about me. Well, Jesus clearly is because he's saying, give us, us, you. He's speaking directly to you. What you, what do you want? Remember when Jesus wanted to heal someone and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And he was blind. I think it was obvious, but Jesus wanted to hear his request. What do you want me to do for you? So it, it, it's making humble requests of things that are necessary, of the things that we need. Very important to understand that. That's number six. Number seven, he's saying, forgive us our sins. What's that? It's repentance and contrition. Not like a default, well, um, you know, uh, Lord forgive me and then I'm going to go out and do it again. No, it, it is a, a repentance. It's being contrite of heart. Forgive us our sins. Number eight, um, for we also forgive. For we also forgive. What does that mean? Expressing forgiveness and mercy towards others. Is that beautiful? So we're acknowledging, hey, I, 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 if there's something to repent of, I need to repent. And I know that God will forgive me. And then what I do right after that is I offer that same mercy that God bestowed on me. I offer that same mercy to those who might have wronged me. And that's not always the easiest, is it? That's why Jesus said, love your enemies and forgive those who persecute you. Not always the easiest thing, but it's part of our prayer, a prayer of mercy, expressing forgiveness, expressing love towards others. You know, that's a great way of looking at, you know, making, perhaps making requests for others. You know, a lot of times we pray, um, and I, I saw this joke one time that it's like, you know, uh, when you're saying your prayers and then you start praying for someone and you realize you forgot someone so you add them in then you realize you forgot someone so you add them in next thing you know you're praying for the entire city <laughs> and it's like but that's a good thing we should be doing that we should have others in our thoughts when we pray that might not be the first thing we pray but it's definitely there on the list having others in mind loving others showing mercy to others those are important things to pray number nine saying lead us what does that mean asking for guidance. Lord, guide me in the right way. Lord, direct me in the right way. That might be a, a time when you're asking for wisdom. That might be a time where you're asking for direction. I mean, I, I remember the last time I was preaching, um, I, I asked if, if, if people wanted to come up for prayer. And then I asked them specifically what their requests were because I'm following this. And, and a lot of the requests were, I, I need direction. You know, I'm not sure what to do in this situation. God wants us to ask him, Lord, what should I do? Lead me in your paths. Lead me into your truth. Lead me into your understanding. I'm confused about this. Help me. Lead me. Guide me. It's, it's, a, it's a request for guidance. And it's a specific kind of guidance in this prayer because it says, lead us not into temptation. That's number 10. That is a prayer of protection. Now, this is a very misunderstood scripture because many times people read this and they think, oh, does that mean that we have to pray that God doesn't lead us to be tempted? Let me answer that question for you. Make it clear. Turn to James chapter one, James chapter one, 
And starting at verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Answers that question. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything that we have that's good comes from the Lord. The Lord doesn't give evil. It's like if ever you wonder or think to yourself, is the Lord testing me with this, with this thing? that's trying to destroy me? No, he's not. Because every good and perfect thing comes from above. Evil comes from a very different place. But listen, the word temptation in this scripture means to draw towards sin. And what do we see in the book of James? That sin, what happens? Your own evil desire, not God, your own evil desire, and you're dragged away and enticed. So sin doesn't, you know, sin doesn't just occur. That it's like you wake up one morning and then the next thing you know, you're in the bed of someone that you're not married to. That's not the, <laughs> that's not how it happens. There is a process to it. There is a desire. There is a thought. There is a, there is a temptation. Temptation, listen, listen. Temptation in of itself is not sin. I want to make that clear. Because if temptation in of itself was sin, then Jesus would have sinned because Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Mm. So who's the tempter? The tempter is the devil. But Jesus did not sin because he did not give in to the temptation. You know, I remember hearing it put this way. Um, you know, let's say, let's say for, I, I was watching this conference about men and women and the differences of how men are, are, are tempted by certain things in different th ways than women. And, you know, like a man's walking down the street and he sees a beautiful woman. I hope that the man notices it's a beautiful woman. Because if he, if you don't think, if a man's not noticing a woman, there might be another problem there. So that's not a, <laughs> that's not the problem. What you do with that thought, however. What you do with that thought, what you do with the temptation, if you allow that to drag you into sin, if you allow that desire to drag you into evil, then you've got a problem. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, Steph, but I'm just saying. Then you've got a problem. And I remember the guy was saying the best thing to do is just keep your eyes, <laughs> keep your eyes straight. Don't start looking around. Keep your eyes straight. And then it'll, it'll prevent temptation from coming into your eyesight. And I like the way he put it, just like, keep your eyes on your wife, he said. That's good advice. <laughs> keep your eyes on your wife. But each one is tempted when one, by his own evil desire, is dragged away and enticed. Um, it's true, Pina. Yeah, men and women, it's, 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 both, both can be tempted for sure. I was just giving an example of, of what I heard this preacher say. So temptation in of itself isn't a sin. It's what you do with that. It's what you do with that thought. What does the Bible say about our thought? Casting down every vain imagination and putting it up against the word of God, bringing it into obedience. Oh, that girl's pretty. Uh, 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 uh. Er, she's not my wife. I'm out. <laughs> right? Temptation is a thought. What you do with it, that makes all the difference. Yeah, Jill, you're exactly right. That's why they do it. Because they don't want to even enter into that. Um, there is no excuse. You're right. If you're a man, there's no excuse. Just because you're a man, it doesn't mean that you're allowed to give into temptation. Nope, doesn't work that way. Casting down every thought and vain imagination. Casting it down. Casting it down. You take it captive. I am taking this thought captive. There's a temptation that's come in. I'm taking it captive. It's not allowed to control me. My thoughts don't control me. I don't care what they are. So Jesus was tempted, but he never gave in. 
Never even got close. Why? Because he came against that temptation with what? With the word of God. And that's it. So God cannot tempt us. So in this phrase, in the Lord's Prayer, what it's saying is, we're basically asking the Lord, do not permit us to be tempted by sin. Keep us safe. Keep us protected from the schemes of the enemy. So in other words, we believe and know and trust that God can protect us from the tricks and the schemes of the enemy by putting on the full armor of God. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That though we know temptation is a normal part of life, that it doesn't have to control us, that we can actually be protected from that, that we can actually be preserved from that, that God keeps us from the schemes and the wiles of the enemy, that we put on the full armor of God and we're protected, and we're not open to attack from the enemy unless we allow it. You Listen, I'm going to say that again. We aren't open to the attack of the enemy unless we allow it. Because God's power leads us in the right way. What does it say? Lead us not into temptation. Because you know what ends up happening? And it's like, it's like what we've just been talking about the past few minutes. We know temptation is not a sin, but then people make excuses. Well, you know, um, it wasn't my fault. I was just tempted. No, we can be led away from that. We can be protected from that. Pina, if you type in on Google the full armor of God, it'll come right up. It's in the book of Ephesians. So God's power, the power of his spirit will lead us away from sin and away from temptation and along the path of truth and the path of understanding. Turn to Psalm chapter 114. This is a beautiful way of praying that. Psalm chapter, sorry, uh, my bad. Psalm chapter 141 and verse one. Oh Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be, be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. That's powerful. Be, make sure that I don't say anything in vain. Make sure that I don't speak anything evil. Make sure that I'm not saying things that I shouldn't say. Listen to verse four, let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evil doers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Wow. I believe it's Ephesians six, Pina. Actually, we just wrote a whole GNN um, magazine about the full armor of God. Am I right, friends? Is it Ephesians chapter six? It is Ephesians 6. I was right. Ephesians 6 starting at verse 10. There you go. So there is actually a way we can pray that we're not drawn to evil. So even praying that the temptation doesn't even come in the first place. Think about that, guys. Is that powerful or what? Because again, I know temptation in of itself is not sin. But we could even pray that we're not even drawn to it. That we're not even close to it. That does, it doesn't even enter our minds. That, that is powerful to me. That we can actually live above these things. That God protects us from these things. That it only comes in if we let it. I, I don't know about you, but that's powerful to me. That's amazing to me. That we don't even have to come close. We don't even have to be enticed. That we pray, Lord, keep my mind from this. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil. Keep a guard over my mouth. Keep a guard over my mind. Keep a guard over my thoughts. That you can have your thoughts guarded and be led by the Spirit. And those things don't even phase you. You're like, well, well, I know that's a pretty girl, but whatever. Doesn't even phase you. you you're not even... It doesn't, you don't even care because you're so caught up and consumed in the things of God. Sin is like, you're not interested. Like, try somebody else because you're not getting me. That's the attitude that you have. Go ahead and try that scheme on somebody else because I'm not falling for it. And the power of God could lead you in the right path away from temptation. 
So these are these um these are the amazing points, ten points about the Lord's Prayer. Now I want to tell you something. Write this down if you're taking notes. The prayer of worry doesn't work. The prayer that works is the prayer of faith. The prayer that works is the prayer of faith. Turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe. Verse 21 says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt. If you have faith and do not doubt. The prayer that works is the prayer of faith. And that is something very important to keep in mind. I'm going to tell you this as well. Don't wait until you're under attack to start praying. The Bible says to pray always and in all circumstances. And then you know what happens? God will go ahead of you and fight your battles before they can even ever touch you. That's what the prayer of faith does. A lot of people wait until they're 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 against until it's like i don't know what to do i'm not gonna make it i can't make it no get ahead of it pray always in all circumstances and god will fight those battles the battles that you there are battles probably that we never even saw why because we were constantly in a state of prayer and believing praying exactly how jesus told us to pray Lead us not, guide us, protect us. Your will be done. This is the way we pray. And you know, just another point. Turn to uh, John chapter 16. When we talked about praying to the Father. John chapter 16 and verse 23 says. In that day, in that day. You will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy may be complete. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. There is joy in answered prayer. I'm sure that many of you can speak of testimonies that you've had, of the great and amazing ways that God has answered your prayer. I know some of you that are are on here right now that can testify and say, yes, God has answered my prayer. And there is joy in that. You know, remember what we love to read? I love the scripture in, in, I believe it's 1 Chronicles. I don't want to get it wrong. 1st or 2nd. Um, the story of Jehoshaphat. You think I know it. I've read it a million times. And what did he say? He says, Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. That wasn't a prayer of worry. That wasn't a prayer of concern. That was a prayer of saying, I know my God will deliver me. And what happened? They didn't even have to fight. God went ahead of them and fought their battle for them. Isn't that amazing? There, that wasn't a prayer of worry. That wasn't a prayer filled with doubt. That was a prayer of faith. Yes, they were facing something. Yes, there was something in their way. But they said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but we know that you're going to help us. And he did. There is no limitations to what believers may ask and receive within the bounds of the promise. I want to make that very clear. Within the bounds of the promise. So if you pray something that is out of the will of God, Don't expect it to be answered, just to be clear. And another thing, John uh, chapter 9, verse 31 says, John 9, 31, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Now, this, now, I want to make something extremely clear. This is not talking about a prayer of repentance. This is not talking about a sinner um, declaring their faith in Jesus, um, you know, that, that they want to be saved. That's not what this is talking about. 
This is talking about if you're in sin, if you're living in sin, if you're not obeying God, if you're not living for God, but you think, you know, oh, well, I'm a, you think that you're a Christian, but you're not living the right way. He's, we won't listen to that prayer. It says he listens to the godly man who does his will. So if you pray within the bounds of the promise, if you pray according to the will of God, and that's why it's so important, friends. To know the will of God. A lot of people pray amiss because they don't know the will of God. They don't even know what they're supposed to pray for. How many times have you ever asked this question? I'm not gonna not for a show of emoji hands or anything, but have you ever asked the question that says, I don't know if I could pray for this? I'm sure that there's been moments when you've perhaps thought that. I don't know if this is something that I should pray for. I don't know if it's something that I'm able to pray for. And so many times we'd have not because we ask amiss. We don't either. We don't ask or we don't ask the right thing. But it's so important to know what the will of God is. And you ask, how will I know? How can I know the will of God? Right here, his word. God's word is his will in print. So everything that you need to know. But I'm going to tell you what happens a lot. What often happens is that people get confused because they hear, I'm somebody on an internet broadcast right now. There are thousands of people on broadcasts making YouTube videos, making Instagram reels, making TikToks, saying all kinds of stuff. And they might even be different from me. They might contradict what I'm saying. And then you'll find yourself wondering, well, wait a minute now. Who's right? Who should I be following? Uh, um, I, now I don't know how to pray. Well, I'm going to tell you this. That's why you must be a student of the Bible. Don't rely on other people to tell you about the word of God. Don't rely on, on, on Instagram to let you know. Instagram. Th th these are great supplements for your faith. These are great ways to teach things maybe more in depth. Because maybe, you know, you're still learning the Bible and there's things that you want to learn about and you love to hear the word of God. And you love, that's why you're all here, right? Because you love to hear the word of God. You love to sit under the teaching of the word. And that's so important. But be very careful because there's a lot of people who come on and do videos and they're not saying the right things. And then they cause people to be confused. And then if you're sick, you think, I don't know if I could pray for healing or not. I'm not sure if I should. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, because I saw this thing on Twitter where this guy says that you shouldn't pray for that. Um, and then I, I saw this other person say, well, you know, one time uh, uh, Paul left somebody sick and he wasn't healed. Can I tell you something about the Bible? The Bible tells the truth. The Bible is a book of truth. There's no lies in here. They don't sugarcoat, they don't sugarcoat things. Everything that's in here is true. So just because you might read something and say, well, uh, um, you know, that person was sick. Okay, a lot of people are sick. A lot of people also don't get saved. The rich young ruler turned his back on Jesus Christ and walked away from salvation. Is that supposed to lead us to believe that now people aren't, aren't going to be saved? Well, I shouldn't be thinking about salvation then. No, just because someone didn't accept it, just because someone was sick. Do we just throw everything out? No. Friends, be clear and sure of what the word of God says. And the word is clear. God says of himself, I am the Lord, your healer. God says of himself, if you obey me, I will take sickness from you. And that's always what everybody has. Everybody's always sick all the time. You don't have to be. So always the first prayer. What do you need prayer for? I'm sick. My kid's sick. My brother's sick. My mom's sick. My dad, my grandparents, um, everybody's sick. You don't have to be. And I'm just going to tell you right now. And the fact that some people are is not an indication of anything. A lot of people aren't saved. We have a salvation altar call every Sunday. And I can guarantee you there are more people in that crowd. Um, I know there are more people in that crowd. No, it is not God's will to not have healing. 
I'm just going to make that very clear for those who are watching. It is not God's will for you to be sick. A very quick reading of the Bible will let you know that. Not me. It's not me telling you. It's a very clear reading of the Bible. Every single person who came to Jesus to be healed was what? They were healed. Every single person who asked, Jesus healed them. So, anyways. Pina, no one is saying that illnesses aren't real. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Guys, here's a thought. <laughs> I don't want to rebuke people. Read the Bible, please. The Bible is very clear. The Bible is very clear. It's not hard. You are welcome to disagree with anything, but just know this, friend. You're disagreeing with God. Not me, because I'm just reading you what the Bible says. So if you disagree with God, you could probably take it up with him. I'm sure he won't mind helping you out. Um, anyways, that's fine. Turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. Listen to this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. There is a confidence. There is a confidence. Uh, wow, people died? Get out of town. I thought everybody lived forever. Wow, my mind is blown. Huh. I was under the impression that, that we just lived until like 570 years old. Like, No, actually, it was like Methuselah who just never died. <laughs> you gotta love people. Christians are always the funniest people. They'd just rather not believe than believe. But anyways. Um, so 1 John 5 says, We have confidence that what we ask, we have. So you have what you ask. And asking is not limited to salvation. But whatsoever you ask, according to God's will. This is the key. If you ask something, that is out of the will of God, you can't expect to receive that. So if you ask, ask something that is against the will of God, you can't expect to receive. So that's something extremely clear. You must ask according to God's will. So if you're taking notes, that's to be very clear that you don't just ask and, and whatever. You ask according to God's will. And you can have confidence that if you ask according to his will, you will receive it. And that is a wonderful and beautiful promise. God loves to be trusted. He loves that when people have faith in him. He hates to be doubted and he loves to be believed. God wants to be believed. And if you believe, just wait to see the things that he will do. But a lot of times the default position is just to not believe. Why? Because this person didn't get well. This person wasn't healed. So now I'm not going to believe. Well, that's, you're free to have that stance. You're very free to do whatever you want. We're all adults. You could do whatever you want. You can believe whatever you want. You can think whatever you want. That's totally fine. That's absolutely fine. It's called free will. It's called freedom of thought. You can think that's no problem at all. Not a problem. But here's the issue. If we base our faith on circumstances, we're going to have a little bit of trouble because there are a lot of things that happen out in the world that are not in God's will, that are against his will. We live in, in, a, in a fallen world. The Bible says that Satan is the God, small g, of this world. And so there's all kinds of stuff that's going on that is against the will of God. So if you're looking at that and basing your faith on that, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. You know what you should do? Go back to the beginning. 
where it was God's will, in the Garden of Eden. There was no sickness there. There was no death there. There was none of that. So you go back to the beginning, to the Garden of Eden, and you can also go to the end, where it's also God's will. When we all reign in heaven with him, there's no sickness there either. So isn't that interesting? That God's will in the beginning, before the fall of man, was no sickness, and then for the rest of eternity, is also no sickness. So that's how very, very easy you could know God's will. Because right now, in this time, there's a little bit of uh, um, stuff going on in this world that's not according to God's will, but he is allowing it. He is allowing it. He also gave the keys of the kingdom to the church. And that's why we have such a big responsibility. Turn to Psalm 100, verse 4. I'm going to close with this. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So how do we approach the throne of God? We approach it with thanksgiving and praise. And that's the best way when we're praying. How are we to pray? How should we pray? The first and foremost, we approach our Father with thanksgiving and praise. We approach Him in giving thanks. We approach him and say, Lord, I thank you for the great things that you've done. I thank you for everything that you've given. I thank you for all the amazing miracles that you've done. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me when I wasn't deserving. But he died anyways. And you gave your greatest gift. And I didn't have to do anything to get it except receive it. We have so much to be thankful for. If you're ever thinking, man, I don't have much to be thankful for. <laughs> Just the mere fact that you're here, that Jesus died for you, that is plenty to be thankful for. That is plenty to be thankful for. So we approach the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. And that's an amazing way to approach our God. Oh, let's always be people of thanksgiving. Let's always be people of praise. Let's always be people who are just grateful to the Lord. Thankfulness is so important because when you aren't thankful, you know, it's almost like the posture of your heart isn't always in the right place because you're missing gratitude. And a lot of times when you're missing gratitude, it's like you're not approaching God in the right way because you kind of approach it kind of like, man, um, you know, I just want this. I want that. I want that. Rather than being grateful. And then you're like, well, I didn't get what I wanted. Rather than just being thankful that God is who he is. Thankful that he sent his son. Well, Pina, people go through hard things. I've said, if you've watched me for any amount of time, you know. Listen, can I? All right, I'm just going to put a stop to it. I come on here every single Monday and I teach you the word of God. Why? Because I'm a minister of the gospel and that's what I'm commissioned to do. You can feel free to go back and listen to every single podcast that I've made where I explain everything that I say and I make it clear that I know there are difficult situations, that I know there are people that are struggling. That's why we're here. That's why the church is here to help people. I don't have all the answers, but what I do have is the word of God and there's plenty of answers in here. And so how about we pray just like the Bible instructs us to pray. And that is, we ask according to his will and have confidence that God will give us what we've asked for. And so many times we just get comfortable in the situation that we're in. Well, my life sucks and life is hard and everything bad happens to me. And you can go on saying that. 
but rather speak things say, yeah, this might not be easy right now, but though I am weak, then I am strong. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done. If, if you're watching me right now and you're going through a hard time, that's how you speak. It's not let the weak say I'm weak. It's not let the poor say I'm poor. Let the weak say I am strong because of what the Lord has done. And you don't allow your experiences or your circumstances to tell us what the contrary to what the word of God says. I've done a ton of broadcasts about church hurt, Pina. You can go back and listen to them. Exactly. It, well, Marco, I appreciate that. We don't, I don't, see, there's the thing. I have no issue with people disagreeing because there are a lot of people <laughs> who do not agree with me. And that's completely fine because I'm not, um, I didn't write the Bible. I'm just teaching it. So it's, it's again, you, pe people can pray and study and learn to figure things out uh, if they don't understand. And that's the beauty of having the ability to do that. Don't you love the fact that there's so many books and resources and things that, that we have in our hands that we can learn and study? And there are a lot of very trustworthy ministers that we can listen to. And I, I pray that, that I can be one of them. And I do my very best to make sure that I teach the word of God to you without error. Because I am very, very, very careful. I do not want to be in error. So I take very close watch over everything that I say. There's no idle words and there's no error that I'm teaching. And ultimately, again, like, like um, Maria said, um, take it up with the author. It's true. Um, let's pray. We're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer. Thank you, Pina. I appreciate that. You guys are all wonderful. Um, I, I, really, um, I really appreciate all you guys. Um, for always being here and for always being willing to listen, which is very important and willing to learn the, one of the best things you could be as a Christian is to be teachable and to be people who are, are willing to say, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe there's a correction that's needed that, that, you know, what kind of humility that takes to say, you know what, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I'm going to listen to someone, um, who's a little bit more knowledgeable, um, to maybe see if I could figure it out. Um, and that, that is true humility. That is true humility. And that's, uh, that, for somebody like me, I've had to do that many times in my life. Or if I, I've had to say, I was wrong about that. Now let's correct it and get it right. And I think that's super important. I think that's the best thing we could do, right? That, that if there's something, man, I, I, I realized that I was studying the Bible. I got that wrong. Let me fix it. Let me correct it. Let me get it right. And that's what matters. Um, so I, you know, I pray for, for you guys who are watching. Like I said, Lord, the Lord hears our prayers. The Lord's ear is not deaf to our prayers and his arm is not too short. And you know what is the, the, the prayer that he loves the most? It's the prayer of faith from someone who was a sinner and who now wants to give their life over to Jesus Christ as their Lord. That is the, the first and foremost thing that you could pray. And I know a lot of people say, well, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. The Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth, which means there is a confession required in order to be saved. And the reason why um, I like to say a prayer for people when they get saved is simply so that they understand what they're saying. Because, you know, there's nothing worse than saying, hey, I just got saved. What does that mean? I don't know. That's not, that's not what we want. I, I'm not a fan of that. I don't like that. I want to make sure people know what they are doing. I want to make sure it's clear. That's why um, we pray this prayer. That's why we pray this prayer out loud out of our mouth. So if you're watching me tonight and you're not saved and you don't know where you're going to go at the end of this life and you don't know if you were to die tomorrow because death is promised to everyone. The Bible says Man is appointed once to death and then the judgment. Everyone. No one is exempt. You will come to the end of your life. Whether, we're, whether it's because Jesus comes back and you're raptured. If you get saved. 
or if you pass away, but the end of life will come. And you have to be sure that you know where you're going. So if you're watching me tonight, if you're watching me tonight, I pray that you are saved. I pray that you come into right relationship with Jesus Christ. And I also pray that you understand that Christians sometimes um, argue with each other. We shouldn't do that. Um, but that's not a representation of everybody. So if you're watching me, I pray that you pray this prayer with me, that you become, um, that's fine, Marco. I pray, um, that you make a decision tonight to come into the family of God, to make a decision that says, I want to spend my life following Jesus. I want Jesus to be my Lord and to be my savior. So pray this prayer out loud out of your mouth. The Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father in heaven. So pray this prayer, say, Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and my savior, I choose to follow you and not turn back. Thank you that I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I, if you prayed that prayer, please message this account and let us know. And, and I want to say welcome to the family of God because we'll get you a Bible. We love to do that. We love to hear when people get saved. We love to hear uh, when people come into the kingdom of God and come into the family of God. Um, so I pray that that helped you tonight. I pray that now we have a little bit of a better understanding of how we should pray and how we should approach God. And here's the most important thing to remember. He wants to hear from us because he loves us. Don't be afraid to pray to God. Don't be afraid to speak to him. Don't be afraid to pour out your heart to him. He wants to hear. In fact, I'm going to tell you this. It's better to pour out your heart to God than to just people. Because a lot of times people don't have your best interests at heart. And a lot of times people are not really looking to help you. Um, so that I would say the best thing is to pour out your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. Help me. I love you. I'm giving everything to you. And I know that you can help me. And I know that you answer my prayers because God is a prayer answering God.